0: Greetings, passengers of the Brace and Place podcast, a podcast all about the TV show Snowpiercer. As always, I am your conductor host, Hillary. Be advised that this show does contain spoilers, so use caution as needed. In today's episode, I will review the two-hour season finale titled The Show Must Go On and Into the White. We will conduct a double episode recap, discuss numerous questions, theories, and predictions. And as always, we'll end with our segment, What Random, Burning, Completely Irrelevant Question About the Train Has Hillary Asked This Week? But first, brace in place for our official entry into this week's episode. All right. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining me for this final episode of Brace in Place as we review the final episodes of season two for Snowpiercer. I'm so excited to review these. Um, I thought this was an awesome finale uh, split up into two episodes released simultaneously at the same time. Um, so you were able to watch them back to back. I am sorry that this episode is coming out a full week after these uh, episodes came out. I was on vacation last week. And so I stayed um, away from a lot of TV, stayed away from a lot of Facebook and Reddit because I didn't want to be spoiled. Um, And so I am having my first day back to work today and had a couple free hours. So uh, watched the episodes and got all caught up. And so now here we are ready to review. So sorry that it was so late. But I like I said, I was on vacation. So I just pretended like it wasn't even a thing until I came back and then I couldn't wait and uh, tried to fit it into my day today. So um, feel free to find the group on Facebook, just search for Brace in Place, a Snowpiercer podcast. i um, been getting new people every week and it's fun to connect with you guys. Also leave a review um, if you listen to this podcast on iTunes, if you listen to it um, on another platform leave a review because it does help other people find the show um, easier. It helps it pop up in the search bar easier, I'm told. So go ahead and do that if you feel so inclined. So let's dive right into our recap of two episodes, episodes nine and 10 of season two. Episode nine was titled The Show Must Go On, episode 10 titled Into the White. So we'll just do a recap of both episodes kind of straight. You know, just kind of head through both of them back to back. Um, so let's just dive right in. First part of the seas. Uh, first part of episode nine. Begins with our girl Ruth, and she is just kind of doing her hospitality thing, walking around the train, getting people what they need to, checking on order, and checking to make sure everything is running the way that it needs to. And she has an interesting observation that since Wilford took the train back over, because remember at the end of episode eight, uh, Leighton basically, ha- you know, says, All right, I. I don't want to say I give, but kind of, kind of, I give, you know, you've, you've taken control back over. Um, I'm going to be arrested. And then we see Wilford is back in control of the train. And so, Ruth has an interesting observation that since that has happened, order has actually been restored. Um, she says, quote, but we've been here before. So it feels very eerie when she's talking like this. She says, I, I feel like something bad is gonna happen. Um, and that's that's the entry into this episode. So um I liked that part. I thought it was it just continues to show Ruth's development as a character, which we'll continue to get into in this episode. We find out at that time also that Andre is um, over on Big Alice and he has been assigned compost duty and this is called the swamp. So we get to find out later in the episode what exactly that means. Then Ruth and Kevin are having a little chat with Mr. Wilford and he says, I've got a job for the two of you. I want you guys to do a census. Um, Everybody's all mixed up. Uh, Everybody's in different train cars. You know, all the classes are mixed up. We need to know who's who, um, where did these people come from and all that. And so Ruth and Kevin agreed to do so. So that comes up later. Um, we find out also right at the beginning of this episode that um, it's it's kind of been a little tricky these last few episodes to figure the timeline out because Melanie left with 30 days to kind of get her climate model. And we we're not sure, you know, when the train drove by her and Alex was banging at the, you know, at the back of the train. Did they did the timelines get mixed up? Did was one early was one late. Um, we find out kind of how these episodes are syncing up that this episode says they are one week from picking up Melanie. They say we've lost contact a week ago, but Ben says, yes, but Wilford doesn't need to know that. So from the beginning, you, you assume that Wilford doesn't know that, uh, that they've lost contact and that that's a bit of an issue. Um, we also find out that Wilford wants the census to be, um, you know, they want to count, um, The children, babies, um, adolescents, and then 18 to 39. And then everybody over 39 is considered elderly. (laughs) So Ruth kind of laughs a little bit at this, maybe because she knows that she's going to be now considered elderly, which I would be very, very close to that as well. Um, I turned 39 in just over a month. so, So that's. an an interesting distinction um he's looking for who is the the young people that can serve a purpose for him and his train we find out then that um Wilford wants there to be some sort of questionnaire um helping to uh get more records on people. He somehow has kind of subpoenaed all of the medical records, and the doctor is not super happy about that. Those were supposed to be confidential um but somehow all of those records are together in one of the little offices and uh Ruth is told that there's going to be a questionnaire given to all of the um all the passengers on Snowpiercer. And it's going to ask, did you have a ticket to get on Snowpiercer? So basically, did you sneak on or not? Um, Do you know anybody who fought with the rebels? Um, So this is going to, I'm guessing, at some point, determine where people end up. Um, And Ruth agrees to help with this, but she's not happy about it. She's just learning more and more uh, about how corrupt and evil all of this is. So then we see... Uh, Till and Wilford are together and uh, they're having a talk where Wilford decides, you know, he wants Till to be his advisor. And it doesn't really end up well because Wilford doesn't really like listening to people besides himself. Um, so, so that is a thing. Um, Leighton, then we cut to Layton down in the compost and it's basically what you would think it is. Um, he's scooping up. Piles and piles of human excrement um in a dungeony looking it, it reminded me of like um in the movie Titanic where it shows them all the guys in the the like broiler room or whatever it was called, scooping coal and stuff like it looked like that it was just really like dank and dungy looking um he's all alone there's nobody else down there, and he is just looking so sad. Um, I think that in that first scene, they also gave him one of those little blood jello bar things that he has to eat. So he's just, he's just sad. I don't know what else to say. He's just he's he's being tortured. He's having to scoop up human poop. And that's his daily job and eating blood bars with God knows what in them. And that's, that's latent. That's where um, the former leader of the train is now uh, is now spending his time. Then we find out that um, Wilford wants to have a party that night. He wants to have he's all about his big extravagant events and stuff. And so he has found a train car that was previously closed or non-functional or something like that i don't know what was going on with it but um he's opening it back up and so wilford wants to host a carnival in this train car um with a special dinner with people that he that he invites um to the dinner so that's going to be happening um as he's preparing for this uh for this special dinner and this carnival that people are going to be treated to uh he hosts a little puppeteer show um with these little creepy puppets they kind of reminded me of um the old ones that were on Mr. Rogers neighborhood um the old ones um were just kind of they like i liked them but they kind of were a little A little creepy to me, too. They kind of looked like that to me. Um, and during this little puppet show, basically, he has a Melanie character that falls over dead. And Alex is sitting right there watching this puppet show, and she doesn't care for this kind of entertainment. This is not entertaining for her. Whereas LJ, psycho, is sitting over there laughing up a storm. She thinks it's hilarious. And she says, You know, Melanie isn't this saint that everybody thought she was. Um and so that continues to develop um as as the episode goes on, but Alex basically kind of storms off after seeing this part of the puppeteer show and Wilford is just sitting there, "What? It was just a puppet show. I thought it would be entertaining." Um and it was it was just pretty horrible. Um so at that time, um, Wilford also admits to Alex that, uh, he knows that they've lost contact. Ben is up there as well watching this puppet show. Um, he probably wasn't thrilled either. And Wilford comes out with it that he knows that Ben has lost contact. And Ben says, yes, we did, but Melanie's a survivor. We think that she'll be fine. Um, but that was a big, uh, kind of moment where, I think Alex realized, shit, maybe this isn't going to end up an easy peasy, you know, slam dunk kind of situation. Maybe she's not going to be okay. So, and that shows also that Wilford kind of has his, um, he's got his feelers in every single part of the train. He knows so much of what's going on. So he, and he gives some reason of how he knew that he looked at the data and, something about it stopped 10 days ago. So he put two and two together. So Wilford, he's, he, he knows his stuff. Um, and he, he catches, uh, he catches Ben basically in a lie. So then we see, uh, Zara and Winnie, the little girl talking and Zara is basically coaching Winnie to somehow get a message to Josie that Layton is down in compost. And so, they're using this little girl as a messenger because she's, she's little, she's innocent. She just kind of runs all about the train and nobody really, you know, pays attention to it, sadly. And so she is being trained to go give Layton this, me- or to go give Josie this message to go find Leighton in uh, the compost, which ends up working out. So then it cuts to Josie and she's just looking better and stronger each episode. Um, and, we find out that they're kind of wanting to see if she's the new icy bob um which we knew already but they really tested her out this time they put her in that chamber and she's scared she's not sure how it's going to work out. But then you see she gets a bit of an adrenaline rush. She looks like she likes it. Um, And she stays in that chamber with the freezing cold temperature for a long time. And the uh, male doctor, the husband actually says, you know what, turn the temperature, keep keep it going. Let's let's push her a little farther. And she ends up doing okay. So Uh, So Josie is doing really well with her skin rejuvenation um, and is on the path to be the new Icy Bob. So let's see. Next part cuts to Layton siphoning. Siphoning? Is that the right word? Um, What's that thing that you use when you make cookies and you put it like a filter kind of thing I don't know I'm drawing a blank because I don't cook but where you where you kind of filter out the thick stuff siphon is that the that's not that's not the right word that's when you siphon gas I don't know whatever word I'm looking for he's got some kind of grate and he puts the poop on it and the small pieces kind of fall through and the big pieces are stuck up top because I'm guessing there's some kind of system where they're gonna burn the poop they're gonna use it to turn it into something. I don't know what they're doing with it, but you can't have these big chunks in it because people flush all sorts of stuff that they're not supposed to. So he's using that to get whatever out of the, poop that doesn't need to go into the next step of the composting process. And so by doing this, um, somebody snuck him a piece of a broken mirror or piece of broken glass. I think it was a mirror. Um, and he kind of thinks, Hmm, somebody snuck me that I'm going to tuck that away for later. So he's got a little place down in compost where he has put his worldly possessions and he sneaks that over there, um, and tucks that away. So that comes into play later. Um, Let's see. Then we've got Till and, uh, Till and, um, not Till, excuse me, not Till, uh, Wilford and Layton talking. And, uh, it's, it's a very, it, I would think if I were to be put in Layton's shoes, it could be a very defeating moment. You know, Wilford sitting there over on the other side of the door in like a, you know, six-piece suit or whatever. I mean, he's just looking, you know, super great. And there's Leighton scooping poop. And Wilford wants to, you know, kind of be like, what's wrong with me? We see things so differently. Am I am I so unique that I see things differently? And I loved how Leighton just put him in his place. He was like, there's nothing unique about you, Wilford. Um, he said, and I quote, you're an old white dictator with a train set. Oof. I liked that quote. I was going to use that for my quote at the end, but there was another one that I really liked. So, um, but I still really liked that one. You're an old white dictator with a train set. Ooh, you're just an old white dictator. Um, you're not unique. And eventually he ends up taking his poop covered shovel and throwing it at him. Um, it doesn't really do anything. Cause he was just looking at him through one of those little eye hole things um, where you just can see the eyes, but still it was, it was a poop covered shovel and he threw it at him. So, Hopefully that knocked Wilford down a little bit, but I don't think it did. So cut to the next scene, which is the dinner, fancy dinner. Wilford says that he randomly picks people to come have these dinners with him. But now we, you know, we've learned over the years, um, he, he doesn't really randomly do anything. Everything is calculated. So we know who's on, um, who's coming to this quote unquote random dinner, um, And they're all people that we know. So Zara is there, Till, Alex, uh, LJ, and Oz, uh, Ruth and Kevin. And then, of course, um, Wilford and Audrey come waltzing in, you know, a few minutes after everybody else gets there. I thought it was kind of hilarious when L.J. walked in, and she's just dressed in a beautiful dress. She she looks wonderful. She's there with Oz right next to her, and he looks great. And it's clean, it's beautiful, it's high class, it's up there in that first class bar, a part of the train. And L.J. says, "I'm back," (laughs) and you can tell that her character has just been yearning for this kind of stuff in a really sad, superficial way. So. Just such a, a little quote, I'm back, and she's just got that twinkle in her eye. She feels like she's she's home again. So then we see Audrey and Wilford really kind of stumble down the stairs together, um, arm in arm, drunk as skunks it seemed and uh they decide oh let's play the piano for everybody and so everybody's standing there watching zara till alex um lj and oz and nobody really gives a shit um nobody's really dying to listen to audrey and wilford play the piano and sing together. So they all just kind of sit there and watch them. Um, and they sound good. You know, it's, it's Wilford supposedly playing the piano and Audrey singing. And we know Audrey's got a a wonderful voice. Um, but everybody's just kind of watching them awkwardly. Like, okay, what's happening here? Um, then, just as awkwardly as that transition that I just did was um, the show transitions to everybody sitting at dinner. Um, and Wilford is kind of going around the table, kind of trying to figure out what everybody's role is and who can serve him for for whatever purpose. And so he gets to LJ. And LJ basically says, um, you know, Melanie was a liar, and she just wanted to be you, meaning Wilford, and she overturned the verdict. And she she phrased that sentence in such a weird way that everybody kind of looked at her um, thinking, did she just admit that she was guilty? And Wilford very skillfully turns it around on her and says, does that mean that you did cut off those men's penises or did not cut off those men's penises and it was um a really interesting moment where you kind of think LJ might be about done for here um but then who speaks up for her, for her but her boy Oz he speaks up for her and says you know what LJ's come a long way since she um since losing her parents and since being booted out of first class, she's come a long way. I stand up for her. She's not a bad person. Um, and to which Wilfred kind of looks at him and says, well, who are you and what good do you serve for me? To which Oz says, well, let me show you. And then he goes and he sits down at the piano and he sings a lovely song (laughs) and plays the piano. Um, And it was wonderful and it was lovely and it was very moving. It was a perfect song for the kind of tone of the dinner. It was slow and a bit sad and, um, you know, but but really, really a beautiful voice. Very... um, Kind of reminded me of like a John legend like r and b kind of voice. Um, very, very velvety, lovely. and i I did a little research on Sam Otto, the guy that plays him, that was him singing. He's got an Instagram page where he posts some really cool raw videos of him singing. Um, and he's just got a wonderful, lovely voice. So everybody kind of is like, oh, that happened okay and Audrey is a little pissy about it. You know, she's like, oh he sounded okay. Um I I kind of prefer a voice like his over Audrey's. Um but, you know, Audrey was drunk and being a little jealous and might be that might be a little bit part of her long con that I think she's playing. So so we get to see um some new musical talent on the show, which I talked about a couple episodes ago, was hoping that there would be something else on there. People got to be sick of listening to Miss Audrey. So maybe in the future, we'll get Oz up there performing. That would be cool. So then we cut to Josie. Um, Josie somehow gets the message. Must Winnie must have done her cute little job going to to get him the message. And she goes to see Leighton. And he seems kind of defeated when talking to her. Um, they're just both you know, kind of reconnecting. And, you know, then they realized the last time we met like this, the last time we spoke through this tiny little square cut out of a door, we started a revolution. Um, and so that kind of sparks a new kind of energy. And Leighton says, well, Josie, I think you need to stay with Wilford. Um, he's going to, you know, he's going to put a use to you and having you close to him, Um, is what's going to be the most beneficial to which I kind of thought she was going to argue and want to somehow connect with Leighton and be down there with him or meet up somewhere. Um, But she looks down and says, I know. So she knew that she needed to stay where she was um, close to Wilford and to kind of be, you know, at his becking to do whatever it is that he wanted um, for this all to work out. And so, uh, what she says let's see then Leighton tells Josie tell them we'll finish what we started and so he says to her at the end we're still together and so it kind of makes you wonder is he meaning me and you as a couple is he meaning we the revolution it seems like maybe he kind of meant the revolution like maybe Leighton's romantic um status isn't quite at the top of his priority list right now. Um, but it still did kind of I, I I thought enough of it to write it down in my notes. So there you go. Um, up to interpretation, I guess. Um, cut back to the dinner, then we go back to the dinner with uh, Wilford and um, Alex and Till and everybody and Alex is starting to get kind of amped up. You see her drinking. She looks like she was drinking a martini. LJ was drinking some wine. Everybody's just kind of uh, drowning their sorrows today. And it's kind of fueling the fire, I think. So uh, Alex gets pretty ticked at... Um, at Wilford and outs outs him saying, uh, "We he wants to not go back for my mom. He wants to divert the train and leave her out here, just like he's done before." And she says, "At the beginning of Big Alice's journey, there was two hundred people at first, and then he did a census, kind of like he's doing now, and he killed off half of the people, and uh, everybody's shocked. Oh my gosh! Um, and then he, you know, he sends." Alex off to go be in time out <laughs> or whatever. Um, so then. It's time for uh, this whole time during the whole dinner, there'd been an empty seat and it, it got brought up a couple times because Ruth, it was kind of kind of driving Ruth a little crazy. There's an empty place seating and nobody showed up. So she, you know, was wondering, should I take this seating down? And Wilford said, no, leave it. And finally, at the end of dinner, he says, Ruth, that place seating was for you. Tonight is all about you. You have a seat, Ruth. And then he calls Kevin in. Kevin and Ruth had been having a little bit of disagreement, kind of some territorial stuff because they're both kind of quote the head of hospitality. So they'd been kind of fighting over who's going to do what and whatever. Plus Ruth knows that Kevin is still completely a hundred percent loyal to Wilford and she's not. And so she's kind of sees him as kind of, you know, a putz she's just like perpetually annoyed with Kevin. And so now they're both sitting at the table with Wilford and Wilford says right now, We need to we need to figure out what's going on with hospitality. Uh, I'm going to give head of hospitality to one of the two of you and whoever does it um, needs to announce to the whole train that we're not stopping to pick up Melanie. Um, And he offers the job to Ruth and she says no. I'm not doing that. She's tearful. uh, And she, you can tell she's really thinking hard about this. And she says, I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm not going to play any part in your little game to leave Melanie to die in the snow. I'm just not doing it. And so in a very, very uh, dramatic, but so awesome moment, he says, you need to give your teals back. Um, so she had to take off her hospitality jacket with her little Wilford Industries button on it um, and, and turn it over. And she basically gets walked out of the dinner party and taken down to the sewer. Um, down to the sewer compost room uh, with Layton. And she's walked down there. Uh, her heel gets stuck in one of the train cars and then she's only got one shoe on. So then she takes the other shoe off and some somebody- Somebody's throwing something at her um, because she's betrayed Wilford. You know, somebody threw it, looked like a piece of fruit or something at her or a crumpled up piece of paper. Um, and so she's just she's it's its almost like she's walking the Green Mile or something. She's just walking um, with her, you know, she, she looked proud, but also a bit of tail between her legs. Like she just, she, I, you know, she just didn't quite know where to put What was happening in that moment, there was just a lot of emotions. Um, And so that so that happened. Um, At this time, this is when Wilford also offered to till please be my advisor. Um, And why he wanted her, um, you know, he says, you've seemed to have a good head on your shoulders, you question things, Um, you figure things out, you were the trained detective, so please be my advisor. And she kind of pushes back a little bit. So to convince her, um, he takes her to this room where... Um, I don't know about how many there were, maybe 10 people or so were hooked up to those face mask things that go outside. So they, when they flip the switch, they die by icy lung. And she says, what, what is this? And he says, these are the Breachman killers. Um, we need to kill them all to tidy up this mess. And Till says, well, um, I would advise you not to, uh, they were acting on your behalf they you told them to kill the breechman, and so they did, and now you're going to kill them for killing the breechman and he just that kind of logic just he he couldn't understand it. you could see he was he was trying to kind of get it, but he just says well i I just need to tidy this mess up. there can't be any loose ends, so if you won't flip the switch, then I will so then he flips the switch and they all die <laughs> um and till is even further traumatized than she already is um. So that happened. Then we cut to one of the last, um, one of the last scenes in the first half of this um, season finale. And we see Ruth go to the swamp, what they call the compost room. um, And she says, what fresh hell is this? (laughs) Which I think might be my new phrase for when I walk into something that I'm not pleased with. What fresh hell is this? Um, she sees Leighton and they kind of connect a little bit. Um, then it cuts to Javi, who had gotten moved over to Big Alice to kind of help, um, be the engineer over in Big Alice. And Ben was over on Snowpiercer, um, both watched with, you know, not armed because they don't have guns on Snowpiercer, but, um, guards with bats and tasers and whatever else it is that they have, um, guarding them. And so while this is happening, some kind of orgy is happening over on Big Alice and uh, Audrey's in there and she's messing around with a few people. And um, Wilford is there watching her mess around with a few people and other people are having sex everywhere. It was just a giant orgy of a scene. And uh, it's all happening behind Javi. He's just looking forward in the train, as uncomfortable as he could be. Um, if there's any character that something like this would happen to on Snowpiercer, I think it would be Javi. Um, he's just a perpetually awkward guy. And so he um, he's sitting there trying to ignore all of the orgy sounds behind him. Wilford looked like he was on coke or something. I don't know what was happening with him. Um, but all of a sudden, through the midst of the orgy sounds, you hear... Snowpiercer, Snowpiercer, can you come in? It's Melanie. I'm close to our meeting point. Whatever it is that she says. And Javi, Javi's eyes lit up. And he kind of thought about it for a couple seconds and then turned the radio off because he didn't want Wilford to hear that they had reconnected. And so um, he thinks on his feet and says, can I use the restroom? And so he goes to the restroom and decides to write a tiny little note to Layton and Ruth now down there as well, saying, uh, I'm, we made contact with Melanie, she's alive. And he writes it on a teeny little piece of toilet paper and r- puts it in a tube of lipstick and flushes it. Um, And so it winds up down in the compost um, area down there. And Ruth pulls it out and reads it and says, Leighton, they found Melanie. Um, She's alive. And we need to figure out how to get the hell out of here. So that, and that's kind of how um, the first part of that episode went. The first part of the season finale. So that wraps up the discussion on the show must go on. And now we go into into the white, which is the second half. And so that episode starts with Alex. And she is kind of doing some reminiscing as she's in her little timeout cage, um, saying that she admitted, you know, she admits that at first she thought mom and everybody that was on mom's side were disorganized and stupid. Um, But then the more she got to know her, she realized that um, she was seeing women that were in charge, you know, she was seeing Ruth help making decisions, she was seeing her mom making decisions. Um, And she realized that even though they weren't a perfect movement. Um, they were still trying to. They were trying to help. They were trying to push for equality. They were trying to save people. And so she said, "The road to freedom must be messy." And I, I really liked that quote um, that she said that it was messy because I often think about how how would I would I think of these ways to communicate? Would I think of wrapping up a tiny piece of toilet paper um, <laughs> into a piece of into a lipstick container and flushing it. Would I have these kind of ideas to do this? Um, I I would hope so, but I don't know. And so, but it's been messy. Not all of these things work. Um, There's been miscommunication. There's been multiple plans happening at once. And so she says, you know, it's going to be messy. So maybe I need to give them all the benefit of the doubt. And now she's, she's, done with Wilford I mean look at what he just did he he just freaked out at her over dinner and locked her in a cage so she's she's done now we see Ruth and Layton down in the swamp down and so now poor Ruth is down there scooping up poop I don't know what the system is down there every time I saw them they were just moving buckets from one side to the other and scooping poop from one area to the other or doing their little thing where they would put stuff on the rack and pick out the big pieces. So Ruth and Layton now now the two of them are down there doing those jobs and they're deciding how are we going to sneak out of here and there's one guy that always brought them their tray with their little jello bars on it and so they decide you know what we're just gonna have to kill that guy (laughs) and so um which, you know, somebody pointed out online that um, he had given Josie a, a minute or two to talk to Layton when she figured out where he was. And so did that guy really need to be killed? Or, you know, maybe that could have been something that was integrated into the story if they try to figure out if he's, you know, maybe a bit more malleable with um, his allegiance to Wilford. But either way, they didn't, I guess maybe they just didn't have time to think about that. So they just decide to kill him. Um and Ruth comes a swinging with her poop shovel. That poop shovel just keeps coming into play, and... Uh, it was, it was pretty awesome. It was pretty epic. Um, Ruth is kind of finding her inner warrior when it comes to this stuff. And so they sneak out and then they find Alex in her little cage and they're like, well, Hey Alex, um, what are you doing here? And she's like, well, I got in trouble. So I'm here, but don't let me out. Let me stay here. I know how to get out. Um, and there's a secret entrance of how to get into, uh, Wilford's, you know, headquarters, um, Wilford's train car um, on Big Alice. There's a secret entrance. And so she tells them, um, Ruth and Layton, how to get in there. And so they say, okay, well, we'll just see you later. So then they sneak into Big Alice, Ruth and Layton sneaking in there. Um, Right at the entrance of uh, Wilford's lair is a group of what look like ancient vintage swords, these kind of, um, you know, nice... Gold looking ones, and some were silver, and they had jewels on them, and they're very fancy. They don't look like the kind of ones that you're supposed to be using, um, but they didn't have anything else, so they take out these swords and they just start going nuts on the uh, on the guards that were guarding guarding Javi, um, because remember Javi is up there all by himself, just guarded by a few guards, and so Leighton and Ruth come in swinging their swords, kill these guards. There's Ruth's, um, you know, kind of her first kill on her own. She just kills this guy with a sword. Um, And they're like, Oh, hey, Javi, we're here to uh, take over the train so we can go find Melanie. Um, What's up? (laughs) And he's like, Okay, cool. So at this point, too, they kind of do a little Um, a little snooping around Wilford's train car and they see just how extravagant he was up there having all this room to himself and all of these, you know, furnishings and everything. And then they open up the door to the bathtub. And keep in mind that Ruth and Layton just came from... The Swamp, um, Leighton especially, had been down there for God knows how long. So they both stink. They both, you know, probably stink to high heaven. And so they decide, okay, we're going to take a, a minute here and have a bath. And so they both take a bath um separately. Nobody dies. Um It's just a regular old bath as far as I know. Um, so they both come out looking super clean and crisp and I think wearing new clothes. So I don't know exactly how that would work if they just kind of looked in... Uh, his closet, and he had some spare clothes that would fit them. I don't know exactly how that would work, but anyway, um then we go to Josie, and Josie has gotten a new mechanical hand uh, because remember she lost a hand during her epic fight with Melanie and um she's gotten a new mechanical hand and there's somebody there i didn't recognize this person i didn't see the person that was helping her before i don't think it was the doctor um but maybe i need to watch that part again but she um is kind of showing her how to use that new mechanical hand and she's saying you're going to be the new icy bob and she's really getting the hang of using this this hand so she's you know, kind of got a new body, in a sense, she's got a new mechanical hand, she's got this new skin, she's got, you know, kind of a superpower where she can go outside and not feel cold. So she's, she's got a new body, and she's figuring out how to use it. Um, Then we see Alex goes back to she lets herself out of the cage or says, let me out of the cage, I got to go talk to Wilford, whatever. So somehow she gets in front of Wilford again, and she apologizes. She says, I'm sorry, Wilford, you were right. Melanie sucks. Um, I shouldn't have said what I said. Um, I would like to apologize to Audrey. I'll apologize to to everybody that was at the dinner. And it really he kind of sensed that she was not being genuine. Um, and he says, you know, does she seem genuine till until says, yeah, she seems genuine. Um, but then what does Wilford ask her to do? Um, during this time, Wilford kind of senses the train being a little wobblier than usual. And so she says, let me call up to the engine and I'll ask what's going on. So she calls up to Ben and Ben says, is he listening? And she says, affirmative. Um, and basically lets him know that he's kind of onto them and that the shit's going to hit the fan again. And she hangs up and who's right there, but LJ and LJ says, I watched Alex's mother do the same thing where she pretended like she was calling somebody and it was a big old lie. So that's probably what's happening too. And that's kind of what started. That's kind of the match that got thrown on the big old pile here where it just went. And so then you see Alex get carted off and she's back in trouble again. And Wilford says, okay, we've got we've to gotta get back in the engines. Um, something's going on. He looks out the window. He says that he realizes that they're turning in a way uh, that is not the typical way that they were supposed to go. And so he's he's on it. He's like, we got to get up there. So because at this point, um, Ben and Javi had kind of coordinated their efforts to get the train back on track to go uh, pick up Melanie. So at this point, we're all hoping to be able to get her. Um, let's see, then we see Boki and he, um, somehow is involved in a lot of different moving parts here. He's trying to help sneak, uh, Leighton and Ruth out. Um, he's helping with the mechanics of the train. He's, he's just doing a lot of stuff. And so he, uh, he says at one point, okie dokie, let's go make coup." Uh, which is just a a great quote. Um, Okie okie dokie, let's go make coup. Um, So he's just, a you know, kind of a simple guy. When you say, let's go do this thing, he's got a good attitude about it. He wants to kind of get revenge on Wilford. He knows that he screwed him over. So he's just like, all right, let's do this. We don't need to sit here and have a big, long conversation about it. Let's go make coup. Um, At this point, we see uh, Ben is up front in Snowpiercer's Uh, engine car. And he's got Sykes watching him. And that's kind of his guard. And uh, there were some other guards too, but he kicked him out of the train car. And then he's like, Oh, I just have to fight Sykes. This will be easy. Uh, Not easy. She wiped the floor with him and is some kind of secret ninja or something. Um, So that was an epic battle between the two of them but somehow he's able to still get the train going the direction that it's supposed to go um and then we cut to poor javi and javi's over there by himself and he can hear people trying to break into that part of the train and he knows that they're coming to get him and he's just oh he's just freaking out and so here comes wilford um wilford takes over the train and the guards are beating the crap out of javi uh, Wilford brings his dog in there who then proceeds to continue to attack Javi. So at this point we don't really know if Javi's dead or alive. Um, but I knew when he called for his dog that he had trained him to do or trained her. Cause I think the Jupiter is a, um, Jupiter, Juno, What's the dog's name? Jupiter. I think he had trained that dog to do some, some sick stuff it seems. Um, so, that dog just went nuts on Javi and Javi's just all of a sudden just goes silent. So hopefully he's still alive, but we don't know. Um So Wilford is speeding up his part of the train. Ben is trying to break his part of the train so that they can stop and pick up uh, Melanie. And it's all just, it's it's just not happening. And so this is kind of when you see um, Alex banging on the window you know mom mom and you know they're just not slowed down enough so they have to keep going and so at this point you kind of think well I guess Melanie's kind of all for dead I, I guess they're just gonna keep going and keep fighting each other and whatnot but then Alex comes to Layton and says Um, I've got I've got an idea I still think there might be a way for us to be able to go and save my mom, Um, we need to use the aquarium. And so Layton and Ruth and um, Alex somehow kidnap Miss Audrey, get her over. Excuse me. I just hit the, I'm I'm talking so emphatic. Like I'm so excited talking about this. I just hit the microphone with my wrist. Um, they somehow kidnap Miss, Miss Audrey and they're using that as leverage to get Wilford to slow the train down. He won't do it. And so then Josie is walking around up top of the, um, on top of the train. Wilford had told her go and get in Uh, the engine and take over the engine and help me out. And she says, okay, but you know, she's not going to do that. Um, So then she communicates with Ben who says, go and stab the aquarium car. Just stab it. Just start beating the hell out of it. So she does that. And the aquarium car is kind of in between Wilford and Ruth. I can't remember who else was over there. Um, But then on the other side is Audrey and, uh, Leighton and um, Till and the the aquarium car when when Josie is up top and busts it with this spear thing that she had it just it, it kind of just disintegrates you can see the fish getting frozen but then the whole thing just kind of just poofs and so then you've got all of the train up there with Wilford but then this little part that um Alex and Andre until and, and all of them are kind of you know sectioned off and I, I believe that that was just ten cars, um, so they're kind of on their own. So they're sectioned off. Um, what's really sad about that is Ruth is stuck over there with Wilford and there's a very meme worthy uh, scene of her you know realizing oh they did it they they broke off oh shit I'm on the wrong side. So that sucks for Ruth, but I have hoped that in season three, she will find a way to um, she'll find a way she'll find a way to to continue being a part of the movement, I feel. Um, let's see. So Josie stabs Aquarium, Bokey, Bokey's trying to help, you know, shut things down so that things can get separated and people are coming and fighting him. We don't really know what happens about him. Um, part of why Ruth doesn't make it over to Uh, Her side in time is she has a little bit of an encounter with Kevin. Kevin kind of traps her in an office room and won't let her have her uniform back. And they fight over that because it's like a sacred thing. Um, Ruth knees him in the balls that was a pretty great moment um and then tased him oh i forgot about that and then tased him um but she doesn't really get out in time and so she you can see her have these happy eyes she sees that the, that part got sectioned off and maybe they'll be able to go save melanie but then she says shit because uh, she's stuck on the wrong side so the next scene is on uh Andre, Leighton, and Alex in their snowsuits, walking through a a giant mountain of snow, um, talking about how it's just like Chicago. It's just like Chicago, just with mountains. Um, And you wonder what the heck are they doing? Well, they're going to that um, little science center, that little uh, climate station that Melanie had been to because they're hoping that she's there and that she's alive. So... They show up, the first room that they walk in, the temperature says it's negative 97, but then they keep walking further into the room and it keeps getting warmer. Um, and they're holding out hope. Oh, maybe she's here. She figured out how to get the power on, da, 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 da. Um, But then they see a little tent kind of set up in there uh, where they, where she had some power set up and... Uh, the drives were in there. Um, the computer hardware for her getting the climate model were in there. Um, and so those were warm and protected. And there was a notebook there. And the notebook basically said, I only had enough power to keep myself alive for an extra few hours or to keep these drivers warm enough for, you know, several months. And so I decided to do that. I walked out into the white um goodbye, basically. And so they take the journal, they take the drives, they go back to Snowpiercer, um, or to, you know, to their part of the train that they're on, and um, get everything hooked up. And the climate model worked, they're able to see sections and places all over the world that are warming up. Um, I, I saw some in northern Africa that looked uh, like there were some spots on the map that were particularly lit up um, and Australia um, and so who knows where they're going to end up traveling to but but it worked they're able to at least have some kind of um, starting point for where to possibly start to rebuild humanity and get off the damn train and so uh, at this point it seems like it's kind of assumed that Melanie is dead um, but we don't know and so they look at each other and they say, let's go get our train back. And so that's where season two ended um, was with Alex and Ben um, and Leighton kind of saying, we're going to go get our train back. And so season three, I'm guessing will have some kind of connection between, you know, where these trains hook back up again. Um, but who knows what's what that will be like. So. Now so that was the recap. Um two two episodes, two long episodes. Um lots happened there, so lots of questions and predictions and theories. Um of course the main question is what is going on with Melanie? Is she re- really dead? A lot of people online are holding out hope that she is. Um she's signed on for season three. Uh uh Jennifer Conley has signed on for season three. And so that is leading people to question uh, whether she's truly been killed off or not. Um, She could just be brought back for flashbacks, but Snowpiercer hasn't really done a ton of that um, for a show that really could have a ton of flashbacks. I don't feel like they really do a lot, so I don't feel like they would sign on a major character like that just to be in flashbacks. Um, so I feel like she's still alive out there. Uh, there's no body. They didn't show her being killed and Snowpiercer likes to bring people back. Um, it's, it's hard to die on Snowpiercer. Look at Josie, look at Kevin. Um, I mean, heck, look at Leighton. How many times could he have been killed? And he is still going. So it's, it's hard to die on Snowpiercer. Um, there's, uh, and, and, Ben kept saying over and over and over again, "Melanie's a survivor. Melanie's a survivor. You know, could that be some foreshadowing? I, I would like to think so. I think it would be a really, uh, I don't know. I just, I don't feel like that would be a good move for the series to kill off such a main character um, in only the third season when she was such an integral part of the first, um, you know, maybe season and, and a half second season she's not been in as much but I'm holding out hope for Melanie I'm holding out hope that she maybe followed the the mineral you know the warm mineral spring geothermal area that she found um where the rats were and maybe found a more heating sources. Maybe some other people down there that also found those heating sources and maybe she's just chilling with a new group of people. Um, I think that would be a really cool take because it seems like in season three they're going to start getting off the train. Which is um, both sad and exciting. You know, I'm excited to see where they take it, but it is a little sad. Um, that's, you know, it's a train and and I, I still feel like I want to know more about the train, but maybe they'll be getting off of it here soon. Um, so that's the big, the big question mark is Melanie. Um, also some people that we just still aren't really sure about, um, Miles, haven't seen him in forever. Um, Javi, did Javi die? Uh, he was being mauled by a dog, the last we saw, but again, not confirmed dead. He wasn't um, in that end scene with Ben and Alex and Layton and everything, but he might be, you know, being treated by the doctor somewhere. He was, you know, really got the crap beat out of him. So who knows what's going on with Javi? I feel like he's still alive. Um, Miss Audrey, is she a traitor? Is she in it for the long con? Um, I feel like it's a long con. She, when she was, there was one point that I didn't touch on where she was talking alone with Zara and, uh, she said something to Zara about, um, I still remember everything that, you know, nothing's changed basically. And so I felt like that was her kind of, you know, breaking the third wall, so to speak. Um, temporarily very slowly uh you know or excuse me very very quickly for a very short amount of time um but i i don't i I feel like she's she's still with the tail she's still fighting um it would be it would just be too easy for her to To fight, fight, fight for years and years and years and then she's with Wilford for like a week and she decides to abandon everything that she's fought for for years after he traumatized her like that? I just, I don't think so. So I feel like Miss Audrey is still on, on the good side. I feel like, um... When she was held hostage, maybe Layton kind of pulled her aside and was like, I'm going to put a gun to your, or a, a knife to your neck. I'm not going to do anything, but pretend like you're really scared. <laughs> and maybe it could be something that they all did together. So I feel like Audrey is still um, is still on the good side. And I've felt like that um, this whole time. Um, I've I've never really questioned. Well, I shouldn't say I've never questioned her loyalty. When I've questioned it, I've always landed back on, I think she's on the good side. I think she's, you know, I think she's like a Severus Snape for my Harry Potter fans out there. She's She's got a long con going on here. Uh, we don't know about Boki. Boki was also getting the crap beaten out of him um, the last we saw, but he's a very, very tough dude. So I wouldn't be surprised if he pulls through. Um, some other people that we just haven't seen in a couple episodes, um, Pike. Um, he was kind of laying low since he killed Terrence and, you know, all that. So who knows? He might be holed up in some train car somewhere and not even know anything of what's going on. The last Australians haven't been seen in a while. It'd be awesome if somehow they were able to have hooked up somewhere. Um, they were split up the last we saw and that's why they wanted to use their, those weird goggles to communicate somehow. And we didn't see anything come as a result of that. So I'm hoping in Season 3 we get to see a little bit more of those two and get to figure out what that goggle situation was. Um, Josie's other abilities. What else is going on with Josie? Um, She's talking about how she's, it's like she's being reborn. She's having these great um, sensations in her body and she loves going out in the cold. That's what she wants to do now. So are there other abilities that um, are going to, be discovered as she kind of takes hold of this new body. Um people online were calling her Frozy. Um I also saw Josickle. Um so I cannot take credit for either of those incredibly clever names. Um but those are pretty amazing, Josie. Uh Josickle and Frozy. So I also kind of wondered and, and somebody brought this up online and I thought this too, that it was kind of weird that Wilford trusted her the way that he did to give her that job. You know, when he said, go up on the roof of the train and walk down here and take the engine, da da. da. Why did he trust her? Um, did he not know that her, that she and Leighton had hooked up? Um, is Wilford just thinking, Oh, because he, you know, got Zara pregnant that, um, he's just a one man guy, <laughs> even though it's kind of a more complicated issue than that. Um, that complicated, uh, love triangle that for some reason, Wilford just didn't know anything about. So I thought that was kind of bizarre too. Um, but it was also kind of a shit show of a moment. And like we talked about earlier in the episode, these things are messy. Not everything is going to happen according to plan. And maybe he just got desperate and thought, well, maybe this chick is on my side and we'll do my bidding. Um, Let's see. Also wondering about uh, Josie and Zara, Um, where are they going to end up? Zara did not want to leave the train. Um, She did not want to leave Wilford, weirdly. She thought, well, at least it's a devil that I know. Um, and I can survive this, and there's food here, and there's this, and there's that. Um, So she didn't want to go. So kind of wondering what's going to happen with her in season three, and also, of course, wondering what's going to happen to Ruth, our girl Ruth. Um, Is she going to get sent back to compost? Is she going to get sent to the drawers? Um, Is she going to be arrested and put in their little jail that they have there? Um, Are they just going to kill her? Are they going to stick her head out uh, out of a port? Um, or is she gonna start playing kind of a con and um, try to get back in Wilford's graces who knows who knows um, but it was a great end to a great season i I loved season one I loved season two um, and I am so excited for season three uh, season three is reportedly being um, being. Uh, taped right now, and will be done being taped at the end of summer this year. And so uh, from what I saw on the internet, it seems like most people are thinking that the show is going to uh, come out for season three at the end of this year or early 2022. So we've got a ways. (laughs) We've got a ways to get through until the next season, which kind of stinks. I think that I might start the season over, start the whole series over and start it again. Um, I might try to get a little further into the comic books, um, the graphic novels, because I only uh, got through the first one. But I'm hearing that there might be some um, if, if the TV show did take some Uh, other inspiration from the graphic novels we might have some answers so that might be what i do in my in-between time in-between seasons so feel free to join the facebook group and let me know how you are going to be spending your in-between time in-between seasons because it's going to feel like forever um so our last segment here is the random burning completely irrelevant question i had a lot of thoughts and concerns about leighton and ruth being in that compost area um, you're not supposed to breathe in human feces without p p e um personal protective equipment, which we've all learned so much about during covid thank you corona um so I was concerned about them and and really they they shouldn't have been touching it they shouldn't have been eating their blood bar. I mean, there was just a lot of things going wrong with that. Um, But I was the main question that I kind of landed on was how smelly would they still be after taking a bath? Um, Did they bring their clothes in there with them? Did they just take a bath with their clothes on? And would they be sitting there in stinky sewer water and need to drain it and refill it a couple times to to kind of rinse it out? How would that work? Um, I was really interested in that. Um, my husband, of course, is usually not interested in the questions that I ask about this, but that's where I thought, um, where I kind of landed was how many baths would it take to get that sewer smell out? Um, and I, I think it would probably take a couple. Um you know, I kept waiting for them to, to give a hug to somebody and have them say, um, I think Javi hugged them and said, you guys stink. Um, but I, I kept, after they took a bath, I was waiting for somebody to hug them and say, you still stink. Um, but nobody did. So maybe it's just in my head, maybe, maybe modern soap and the soap that Wilford hat, Wilford has in his fancy bathtub is good enough. I don't know. Um, I did find on the internet that um, back in 1998, uh, the Monell Chemical, Sensor, Chemical Senses Center was uh, was a, an organization that was contacted by the United States federal government to help create a stink bomb for uh, the United States Department of Defense, and they tried out all sorts of different smells and realized, you know, there's there's certain things that might bother. People that live in this part of the world that don't bother people in this part of the world. And, um, you know, an example that they gave was garlic. Some people love the smell of garlic and some people can't stand it. Um, So different smells affect people differently. But when they were trying to create this stink bomb for the Department of Defense, they landed on something that they call, quote, U.S. government standard bathroom malodor. And so they found a way to channel that and kind of harness that smell. And that's what they use in the stink bomb. Um, And they call it stench soup. And it's basically a porta potty smell, um, which I think is probably similar to what uh, the swamp would smell like, where Leighton and eventually Ruth were. Pretty stinky pretty stinky stuff. So um, I thought more about sewers today and about poop than I have in a while. Um, But it also gave us some answers because I remember a few episodes ago, we were wondering about where fart smells would go. um, And some people online were bringing up the idea of A compost and you know there's just there's been a lot of questions about bodily functions and all that on the train so i'm glad we got some answers at least about poop but i'm still left wondering how many baths would you have to take to get that uh sewer smell out of your clothes um kind of like how many licks does it take to get to the middle of a tootsie pop i don't know maybe we'll have to test it out or not because i kind of have a bit of a gag reflex when it comes to that stuff it's pretty So that's the end of this episode. Um, That's going to be it for Brace in Place for a while until we get season three coming out. So um, I would love for there to be even more activity in the Facebook group so that we can kind of keep each other entertained and talking about all things Snowpiercer in between uh, seasons. So feel free to find us on uh, Facebook under Brace in Place. And for this episode, as Till has said, with respect... You can go ahead and lock up Layton, but you'll find a bit of his fight in all of us now.